Hi there. You are listening to the Being Unstoppable podcast, where we talk about being unstoppable in your brand, business, and life. I'm your host, Carolee Fontanelli, and as an entrepreneur, lawyer, course creator, and author, I understand what it takes to strive for the next level. Through 20 years of having several businesses, making a ton of mistakes, and celebrating loads of success, I love to share my secret sauce, tips, and strategies on how you too can become unstoppable. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Being Unstoppable. I am your host, Carolee Fontanelli, and I'm super excited that you are here today tuning in with me yet again. And if this is your first time listening in, thank you so much for joining me, and I hope that you really enjoy today's podcast. So this last couple of weeks has been pretty busy for me. I've been working on my new Um, course called the Unstoppable Personal Brand Formula. It has been amazing and so much fun. So I kicked it off with a Elevate Your Personal Brand Bootcamp where I invited more than 500 people into a free Facebook group and we did five days of creating and elevating your personal brand. So we did things like a Google audit and we looked at what our values are and things like that that really help to elevate your personal brand. It was really eye-opening for so many people and I really loved helping and guiding them through the process. So much fun. And at the end of the five-day challenge, we launched the Unstoppable Personal Brand Formula, which was the first time that I've launched it. And it was really amazing to welcome people into the course. And now I'm working with people for eight whole weeks, helping them to create an unstoppable personal brand. So that was really fun. And I'm really, really enjoying um, being with the people on the course and walking them through all the steps and stages of my unstoppable personal brand formula. So in this course, we walk right through from starting out and not knowing what your brand stands for or how to elevate your personal brand right through to who your ideal client is and how to get content out there really, really easily, and then how to be brave enough to actually share with the world. So there's so many different ways that you can elevate your personal brand. And honestly, creating an unstoppable personal brand is a formula for success in your business. It really, really is. And it doesn't matter whether you're tuning in and you're in business or whether you're tuning in and you are in a career that you love. Either way, elevating your personal brand is a foundational thing that you should everyone should be doing. And the reason that we should be doing that is because it doesn't matter where you're at in your journey, you can take your personal brand with you and it evolves with you as you move along. And whether you are in a business that's yours or whether you are employed in a career that you love, you will add so much value to your life and to the lives of those around you when you focus on elevating your personal brand. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. And it was such a fabulous time. I really enjoyed it. And I can't wait until I get to launch it again. But first... 
I am going to work with the people that I have got and pour my heart and soul into them and really share all my knowledge so that they can start working on their personal brands and elevating their businesses. Apart from that, I've also been working in my bricks and mortar business, my law practice, and um, we've been going through a little bit of transition in the firm, which has been um, interesting. And, you know, as things evolve and you grow, this is what happens. So we are looking forward to some new changes, which is really exciting. And I think that when it comes to changes, sometimes they aren't necessarily changes that we want. Sometimes in life, decisions get made for you. Like this year with COVID, so there's been so much change that we've all had to deal with around COVID. However, we have to embrace the changes that are coming along. And I know for me and my businesses, there's been a lot of really positive change through COVID and there's been some, you know, big challenges. But through our challenges, we can grow. So um, I always try and embrace the challenges and take it as an opportunity to learn and to grow. Anyway, let's get into my reviews. I love hearing from you all and I love getting reviews on Apple iTunes. It is really amazing when people spend the time to go and do that. So I'm going to read one out today from Fran. Thank you so much. Just what I needed. Thank you so much, Carly. This is exactly what I need to hear at the moment. I've let myself get into a bit of a rut and I'm finding your podcast so helpful in reshaping my life. You're an inspiration. Thank you so much, Fran. It is wonderful to hear from you and I'm so great that you're enjoying so great. I'm so glad that you're enjoying the podcast and um, continuing to tune in. It is wonderful to have you here. And if anyone is out there listening and you're inclined, please do leave me a review. You just hop into your Apple or Spotify. You scroll down to the bottom and there's some stars. You can press the stars and then you can actually leave a little review as well. And it really does mean the world when um, people spend time to do that. Today's very special guest is Farian Azim. Now, she is a powerhouse and someone who loves to help women slay their money fears. I absolutely love that. We all have beliefs and ideas around money. And as women, we often take a back seat and don't think that we should be in charge of it. Well, she's here to tell us that we should be in charge of it. And we have a wonderful conversation about all things money, building wealth, and how to take control of your finances so that you are in the driver's seat when it comes to your future. So let's get stuck right into it. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Farian. And I would love to um, introduce you to my listeners. And um, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today. So tell me a little bit about you. Oh, well, hello, Carly. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm Farian Azim, and I am a financial educator, a wealth coach, and a business mentor. And I help women um, slay their money fears and build amazing businesses and lives that they totally love. Oh, I love that. Slay their money fears. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. So, before channeling your inner queen. <laughs> Absolutely. So before we really get into that, I wanted to ask you a question about what makes you unstoppable? Oh, what makes me unstoppable? Oh, God. Um, well, 
I am a real go-getter. I am continuously thriving for better. Um, I really have a growth and abundant mindset. So I'm always looking at ways to improve, either not just myself, but my financial position and to help other people do that as well. So I think that's what really makes me unstoppable. That's awesome. Um, so back to slaying your money fares. I absolutely love that. So talk to me about uh, what women's money fares are. Well, I've been in this industry for a long time, so over 20 years, and what I find is that a lot of women that I deal with, um, they have these money fears where they don't feel like they can earn enough or that they're, um, they can have enough or they have this scarcity mindset where just um, they're scared to even just um, take any risk to actually get any return. So it's about slaying those money fears, working through it, working through the blocks and the limiting beliefs that they have and helping them create a path to um, financial abundance and freedom. So what do you think is our most common money fear that we have as women? I think as women, the most common money fear that we have is that we don't think we're good enough um, or that the men should be like running it all or doing, you know, handling all the finances. Um, and sometimes, you know, we don't, we're not, we don't feel worthy enough that we, of earning what we should be able to earn or what we could earn. So we actually undersell ourselves. I think that is one of our biggest fears that we do. A hundred percent. I have definitely in the past been there on both of those fronts. And it depends totally on how we've been raised as well, doesn't it? What our Totally, totally. So we all have a money story and that money story comes from um, the way we grow up, the, you know, what we see around us, our parents. Money is one of those um, taboo subjects, unfortunately, which it shouldn't be, which we don't just sit around the dining table and we talk about and, you know, well, what are we doing? How are we going to create money? Or what do you earn? It's one of those things that's sort of like kept secret or under the table type of thing. So it's about addressing it and talking about it openly and having financial goals and, you know, putting it out there that this is my goal and this is what I want to achieve. And um, and when you do that, you actually create this um you know, you create this goal and you have this um, vision and this, uh, like, something to actually work towards. So I always say that you, um, you know, you create a purpose for your money. So you create something that you really want to have and then work towards it. I 100% can relate to sitting around the dining room table, like you said, and never speaking about money. In fact, we were raised, you know, that it was very rude to talk about money and you didn't even, you would never dare ask what someone earned or anything like that. And in my business and more recent years, I've tried to be a lot more open about and transparent about what our um, turnover is and what our financial goals are as a company and all of that type of thing. Uh, because I think that it's it's helpful because then you're working towards goals together as a group of people. Um, but it's actually very scary doing that, isn't it? To you, like you feel very vulnerable because oh, yeah, you be, yeah, you're very vulnerable, especially in a business because then you've got all these staff. But then what it actually does is when you create this team environment, and as a leader, you're saying, "Well, this is what we're doing. This is our vision. This is our mission." You actually create this um, a beautiful environment there where everybody is working towards the same goals. So that is actually a really, I mean, not a lot of people do it, but I think it's a beautiful thing to do um, for a whole like in any um, a working environment. So how does someone who's got all these money fears and beliefs and limiting beliefs around money, how, how do you start to shift someone so that they can okay. be empowered and have a more open mindset around money? 
So how I work with people to actually shift these mindset um, things is actually like, first of all, they have to acknowledge. And a lot of time people don't know that they have them until like, you know, I do a podcast or like they come to one of my workshops or, you know, whatever. And then they're like, wow, I didn't even realize I had that. And then when it, the penny drops and it clicks that, oh my God, I have that, then it's about working through it. And it's about taking that negative and pushing it forward. You need to forgive yourself for your past mistakes. You need to know that you can change your money story. Some people are just born into this um, or have this mindset that, oh no, that's what I am and I can't be any better than that. But you can be and it's knowing that you have the support and the people around you to actually guide you to being doing better. So it's just working through it and knowing that every day is a new step and sometimes you'll have, you know, um, backs that you'll go backwards, but it's about going two steps back and then five steps forward. So it's about working through it and just understanding. And once you acknowledge and you really address that, yes, I have this situation and how am I going to change it? It's in your power to change your destiny destiny and that's what it's about. 100%. I've actually got a money story myself, just a small one. I um, had a business coach for a number of years and at one point she's an amazing lady, much an older lady and very wise and um, I really trusted everything that she shared with me. Anyway, we worked on all sorts of things and when you have a business coach, it's sort of, you know, it's, it's a lot around your business but it also stretches you personally. And one day she said to me, you know what, Carly, there is no uh, reason that you can't earn a profit of a million dollars a year. And my instant reaction was to chuckle it off like, yeah, you know, and dismiss it. A hundred percent, I just dismissed it straight away and just in my head just went, no, like that's not actually possible. And um about six months later, I, it really kind of got to me what she said. And I started to think about it. Like it just sat there. She planted the seed in my head and it sat there. And then one day I actually got a pen and paper out and a calculator out and did some figures on my like current business and went, you know what? Like this equals this many clients and this much, you know, many team members and this many, you know, and it was simple. Exactly. And that's what it's about. So I teach um, the same sort of thing. So it's like, well, you need to have a revenue or an income goal. And then it's about, so if you said that you want to make a million dollars a year, like you look at that number and just like, oh my God, how am I going to do that? But when you break it down into simpler bits, so I always say, you know, break it down into a quarter and then break it down in a monthly. So a million dollars over a month is about $83,500. Now that $83,500, now you break it down into, well, what are all the different products and services and whatever you um, sell or provide? And when you break it down, you're like, well, I charge $1,000 for that or I charge $500 for that or whatever. And you look at the number and within like, you know, a couple of minutes, you're like, oh my God, I could make this. And it's just about knowing that you can and putting it out into the universe. And it's about having those goals. When you've got goals to work towards, you, you know what you're doing. When you don't have something to work towards, you're just fluffing around and you're just like, yeah, okay, well, I'm earning whatever I want. So I'm very, um, I really like to teach people that you need to have those financial goals, whether they're revenue goals, whether they're financial goals for something that you want to purchase, a property or a, um, a house or an investment or whatever it is, but you need to have not just normal life and business and all that, you need to have those financial goals. What is your money going to do for you? A hundred percent. So um, why do you think it's important for women to have financial goals? Like what, 
And at what stage do you think we should start doing this? Oh, we should. Oh, financial goals, you can start as soon as you start earning money, as soon as you're earning a regular income, or even not earning a regular income, you're doing a part time job, you should start having financial goals. Because when you know where your money has to go and what you have to do with your money, have a purpose for it, you actually. It doesn't. Whereas if you just have that money coming in and it's you're just spending on it on really, really, you know, whatever. But when you know that, okay, I am doing all this and I'm going to get this end result, you actually work towards it so much harder. So, um, yes, yeah, so the financial goals can start from whatever stage, but you need to have them. And that's what it's important to understand that the reason to have them is that so you actually have something because when you achieve a goal, like so you've achieved that goal, you actually have all these, you know, good um, endorphins and hormones and all that sort of stuff that, you know, you, so it actually makes you want to do it again. So if you keep like, you know, repeating the system to actually achieve these financial goals, it just makes you feel good that you're actually achieving goals. And it's about setting up the right systems and the right habits and all that to actually achieve that goal in the end. Right. And, and with your goals, do you, do you look at short-term, medium-term, long-term goals? Like how far out is a goal that okay. we should so you be can have like, all right, so you can have lots of different goals. You can have your 30, your 60, your 90-day goals. You can have your year goals. You can have um, short-term ones. So I always say to people, so one of the biggest goals that I hear people say is I want to reduce debt. I just want to reduce debt. So I say, okay, that's great. You're reducing debt, but you're not going to just be able to come up with, you know, like a million dollars or whatever and reduce all that debt overnight. So it's going to take time. So it's like we put in a plan to actually reduce that debt, which is a goal. But I also say that like you need to have short-term goals where you're actually um, celebrating the small achievements along the way. So yes, you're paying off a big debt, which could be a big financial goal that you want to do. But along the way, you might, you know, save money and go away on a weekend or, you know, reward yourself with dinners or handbags or shoes or whatever you want to do. So it's all about having this reward system that, yes, I know I'm going towards that end goal, the big goal, but have the small short-term ones along the way as well so that you actually feel motivated to keep on going and you're on this system that keeps on doing things for you. Yeah, because it's it's finding that balance between um, savings and still living and enjoying your life because it's kind of, you know, people who are the generations before us, like my grandparents' generation, for example, they didn't particularly like live exciting lives when they were raising families and things and everything was focused on this goal of retirement. Um, but then what happens is that people you know, get unwell or they life throws them curveball or they unfortunately pass away or something and then they haven't got to enjoy the fruit of their savings. Whereas I think our generation, we tend to be the opposite where we spend everything and we're not, um, you know, saving for our future. So how do you create that balance? So it's about having that balance and it's really important. So I work with people and I talk to them about, all right, so right now, what are the short, what do you want to do right now? I want to create a business or I want to buy a house, whatever I want to do, right? But also we want to create goals where we have passive income formulating or we're saving towards our retirement and things like that, because we only have a working life of so long, right? And we don't want to be working forever. And when we work, like if we look at what we earn right now and how we spend, we need to... um, build such a big retirement nest egg to be able to have that same sort of lifestyle when we retire. So, and we won't be able to. So that's where it's about creating, putting in place, um, you know, wealth um, building techniques to create passive income and all that. So that when you retire, you've got like a retirement nest egg, which you might have, but you've also got passive income coming in, which is helping you fund your lifestyle. So that's what it's about. So you need to have that balance where you know what you're doing. So yes, some for now, 
and some for later on too. You must save for later on as well or yeah. build wealth for later on is yes, what I say. Yes, 100%. As a family lawyer and my and my work there, I see so many people, I get to see all their finances as they've their relationship comes to an end and we have to work out how to divide the money between the parties. And so many times I see these variants of people who have not huge incomes but have like really high net worth and then I see other people who are the opposite where they have huge incomes and then they have maybe nothing to show for it. So it's interesting, isn't it, what people actually, how they live and what they do with their money and and how it serves them. Yeah, as a financial planner, um, because that is what my real life, you know, like my real trait, whatever you want to call it, my profession is, I see a lot of people that, um, you know, come to me and they um, have earning great incomes. You know, you look at it and you go, oh my God, you're earning so much money. You know, that's great. What are you doing with it? And what have they got? They've got a house and they've got a car and that's about it because they're living the money. They've got nothing to show for it. So that's when I work with them and I put in place, you know, put in place a wealth plan. Uh, We work out what are your financial goals? What do you want to achieve? And once you actually give people direction and you create that plan and they know what they're working towards, their life changes. So I love it when I see a client, you know, and like five years later, they've built this whole portfolio. They've got houses, properties, they've got passive income, they've got, you know, retirement money, like superannuation and um, all these, and, and they're still enjoying life, but they're not wasting money. And that's what it's about. So it's about your money having a purpose. When you know where your money has to go and it has a purpose, you don't waste it because um, as, well, you know, I know you're podcast is probably, but as, um, you know, Australian, in Australia, we are really, really good at reducing debt, but we're great, hopeless at saving. So if you told someone to go and save 100000 they couldn't do it. But if you gave them a $100,000 loan, they can pay it off. Right. So it's just, yeah, it's just, so we create debt to actually create wealth and they actually, they're able to do it. So it's a strange philosophy, but it is, it works. <laughs> It is really interesting, isn't it? And so with women in particular, why do you think that or it's important for women to actually take note of their finances, but also how how do they take step up into responsibility with their finances? So what women tend to do, and I notice this a lot, is um, women just to let their partners just to like run the finances. And they're like, yep. And they sort of like just turn a blind eye. It's okay, but but you also need to be aware of where you are financially, what you're doing. Because when you know and you actually give a little bit of attention, you've got ideas and things that you want to do as well. And you, what you've got to understand is you're both on this journey together. So as a, um, a couple... You're on a, you have couple goals, but you also have financial goals and they should, you can have your separate ones, but you should also have like your long-term ones should be together. So if you see yourself having this long-term relationship, then you want to have your long-term financial goals together as well. Okay. Well, we want to build for our retirement. What do we want to do when we retire? What are we going to do? Where are we going to live? How are we going to do it? So it's about really opening your eyes and taking, um, you know, responsibility because it's your, it's your money as well. You need to take responsibility about doing it. And, um, one of the things that I do tell a lot of people is, you know, once a month, sit down and have a date night. Sit down, have a chat, get a glass of wine, whatever you do, and just have a talk about your money. But And what happens is when you talk about it, it actually brings you closer together because you're not feeling like you have this fear that, oh, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, I don't want to tell him what I spent this and that. You know, I, I see a lot of people who come to me who have separate bank accounts and all that. If you're in a relationship you can still have your own little ones where you have your pocket money, but your most of your finances and everything should all be together. You're together. It's a partnership. 
joint and severably liable, you're together and you have to be on the same path. So, um, you know, and I do understand that, you know, yes, you can still have them separate, you know, like your own little things as well, but most of your long-term stuff needs to be on the same path. And it's just about really waking up and taking note of it and being like, well, this is my responsibility. And if I want to, you know, um, know, you know, get that journey to financial freedom, I'm in charge of my destiny and I need to um, take charge of it as well. A hundred else just in the driver's seat. A hundred percent. I I completely agree that you need to um, be taking charge as a woman of your finances and having, you know, in my earlier twenties, say, or in my twenties, I wasn't particularly involved in my finances. Like it was something I felt like it was just too hard. But it's actually really fun when you uh, when you get involved in it and you're intentional about it and you take responsibility, isn't it? Um, what do you think, you talked about passive income earlier. When you are talking about that, what sort of investments are you sort of thinking about that would be great for, you know, female listeners? What, you know, what are the things that people are doing to create that passive income? So to create passive income, there's a lot of ways you can create it. So, I mean, like, you know, um, you could have, a, you could start like very small, like, you know, start investing in shares. Um, yes, I know at the moment they're terrible, but they do give you dividends. They give you returns. So, and that's what you want. So you start, you know, small and slowly build something up, passive income. You could do a business, a side hustle. That's, you know, gives you some sort of income to start off with. Investment properties. People love investment properties because you can actually see, feel, touch. So you've got someone in a property which the majority of is being paid by a tenant. So someone else is giving you, you know, while you've got a debt on it and you want to pay off that debt, when that debt's paid off, that becomes an income for you. That's what you want. So that's a form of passive income as well. Yeah, I think, do you think that we are sometimes quite short-sighted because we think, you know, to pay off that house, for example, rental property, you know, that's 20 years down the track and some of us struggle to see what that, you know, that 20 years seems like so far away and I'll just think about it later. Yeah, and it's like, and you know what? Time goes so fast. So it's like now 10 years down the track and you're like, oh, I should have done this 10 years ago. Yeah. So it's about, you know, when when you are at the right time and it's about creating that, you know, wealth plan or financial plan for yourself to be like, okay, well, where do I want to be? What do I want to do? And putting the steps in place to actually, you know, start. And when you've got that um, a plan and you're actually working towards it, as I said before, you know what you're working towards. You know you're putting in the right steps. And you might, it might cost you $50, $100 a week, that extra property or something, you're not going to miss it. And what it's actually going to create for you are in 20 years' time, that is the, you know, the really good icing on the cake. Yes, 100%. So that takes me to think about superannuation because in Australia, a lot of the people that I deal with, um, they, I mean, everyone, if you've been working, has super. Um, but a lot of people don't uh, take it very seriously and they don't really appreciate their superannuation. And even people, say, in their 40s or 50s are still you know, when it comes to the time that they're separating, for example, they sort of don't really care about the super. And it always kind of surprises me as to why people don't care so much about their super, because it really is a good investment and it's, you know, it can set you up for the rest of your life. So what what do you think is our blockage around superannuation and what can we do to um, move forward and embrace it? Okay. The biggest problem with super, I love super, and it's an amazing thing when people acknowledge that it's theirs. The biggest block is because it's invested somewhere, 
and the super is paid by your employer, they straight away believe that it's not theirs. They don't even think of it, it's theirs. They're just like, oh yeah, that's money's there, it's doing what it's doing. You need to take ownership of your super. You need to know that it's your money. All it is, is under a different entity. So it's just in a different um, tax effective entity. Super is the most amazing way to make. So in super, you only pay, when your contributions go in, you only pay 15% tax. When you retire at 65 or whatever it is, that money all becomes tax-free money. So you can draw out a pension for the rest of your life at 0% tax. That's amazing. So when amazing. you understand that, exactly, you need to contribute to your super. You need to bump it up because that little bit you put in now, you're not going to miss, but later on you're going to draw that out tax and you can only have a certain amount in there. So you want to make the most of it. Whereas if you're building everything outside, you know, all that money, doesn't matter if you're 100 years old, you're going to pay tax on. Whereas whatever's inside that super environment, you're not going to pay, pay tax on. But people don't get it because they just think, oh yeah, my employer's paying that. They've got to pay it compulsory, mind you, 9.5%. And they're like, well, that's not my, really my money. But you need to understand where's your super invested? How's it invested? What fees are you paying on it? And take the ownership. It's your super. You have choice. It's yours. And when you understand the choice, and it might just be worth you looking at it and saying, okay, well, I don't want it in that fund. I want it in that fund invested in a certain way, then you're feeling like, okay, well, now it belongs to me. But if you've just started work or wherever you're working and it's just always been in that same fund, you're like, oh, yeah, because you didn't do it. You've got this block that it's not mine. So it's about, you know, looking at it, really acknowledging and understanding it. It, it is the, one of the best um, methods of building, um, you know, a, a, a income for your later in life. Yeah, and I guess, like you said, when people don't feel like they have any choice or that they're in control of it, but actually you are in control of it, aren't you? And then, of course, you've got self-managed super funds, which give you even more control. Oh, great. So can you talk to us about what how self-managed super fund can help? Okay, so wealth. self-managed super fund is still under the super environment, but inside there is where you manage your own super. So um, ASIC have a lot of laws around them now and are quite difficult to actually, um, like you need to have quite a bit of money to invest in there. So they're saying about half a million dollars, joint, of course, between two people. You can have four people in there as well. Um, so you've got to have about half a million dollars to invest because the problem with self-managed super funds is you need to have them audited and tax returns and all these sort of things done um, every year, which is what? Um, adds up the cost on them. But inside self-managed super funds, what it allows you to do is actually borrow. And when you can borrow, you actually leverage. So if you've got 500,000 and you see something you want to buy for say 800,000, you can actually, a property, you could borrow a certain amount of money. So now your 500 has become 800. Yes, you're paying interest and all that, but over time with capital growth and all those sort of things, it actually works quite well. A lot of people do property inside self-managed super fund, which is really good because when you retire and you sell that property or you just have the rent and you're living off the rent, like you have the rent coming in as an income, the capital gains tax when you in retirement is zero in self-managed super funds. In, while you're working, it's only 10%, but when you retire, it's zero. Now, if you had bought property in your own name, it doesn't matter if you're 80 years old and you sold that property and you made, say, you know, to 300000 profit, you're going to pay nearly 45% of that in tax roughly. So, so many benefits. Yes, so it's a really benefits. great tax environment. That's what it is. And it's about creating a plan and being effective, like effective tax strategies, effective investment strategies and all those sort of things. So that's what's really good about it. But the only problem is self-managed super, you have to have quite a lot of money to go in. Like a lot of people I know before would go in like with just little bits of money. It costs, it's not worth it. It just costs you too much money. So you need to have good amounts of money to go in. 
Yeah, 100%. And the other thing, of course, that's great about superannuation is that if life happens and bankruptcy happens, for example, it's fully protected. So You are protected. You yeah. are protected. So that's just an amazing, amazing benefit because, you, I mean, with COVID and what's happened this year, you know, there have been a lot of people affected um, and where they've lost their homes and or, you know, lost their businesses, but they won't in, in bankruptcy lose their super. Mm. So that's no, they the- won't. The other thing I think about um, the reason that people have a block against super is because they feel, well, I can't, I'm not going to be able to touch that till I'm old. And people have this thing that they're never going to get there in a way. Like, you know, so they're just like living life for now. They're not planning for later on. Whereas you need to start planning. You need to start thinking about what's going to happen later on. Exactly. Um, so how much money do you think you need to retire on? Oh, God. <laughs> How much money do I have to save to retire? <laughs> so I think what it comes back down to is if you've created a plan that's um, effective enough that it's not how much money you need to retire, but what age do you want to retire at, okay? So it's about working out, well, if you've built, you know, you can retire at 40 if you've built up everything and you've got all this passive income coming in and you've got things. You could say, well, I don't want to work anymore. But then you'll be bored, won't you? <laughs> So it's not just about how much money, but you've got to look, I always tell people, you look, work on it backwards, right? So if you're earning, say, um, you know, $100,000 a year now, um, and you've got to look at, okay, well, how much of that, what am I spending it on? When you retire, you hopefully will not have a mortgage, right? So you've got to look at what is your lifestyle going to be. So the APSA, um, the, uh, like the APSA requirements say, um, I think it's about 36000 or something or close to 40000 maybe to have a comfortable retirement um, for a couple when they're old. For me, I know that's not going to be what I, I need more than that because it depends on your spending. So if you want to travel, when we can travel, if you want to travel, if you want to, it depends on your lifestyle. Like, you know, if you've got, um, what are you doing? Like, if you like to go out or you've got a lot of hobbies and things like that. But if you're just going to be a simple person who just stays at home and just does what they want to do, well, then you won't need that much money. So it's, it's a very personal thing. So for me, you know, like I know, like people come to me and say, okay, I need to work this out. So I have $1,000 a week. So when I retire, I've got $1,000 a week. That's $52,000 a year with no mortgage. You know, if you think about the expenses, the cost of living and all that, that's pretty, I think it's okay. You could get away with 52. Me, I probably need double that with my spending. So. <laughs> well, you can't buy nice shoes, can you? On <laughs> And then at that age, I'll probably want to give it to my fam. Like if I've got children, grandchildren or whatever it is, I'll be like, oh, you need stuff too. So Yeah, you want to you yeah. be a nana that spoils your grandkids. Yeah. So it's a very personal thing. So when you work out, um, yeah, and it also depends if you want to retire 50, 60, 65, what do you want to do? So, I mean, from the things that are looking, they're looking to push it out to 70 so you can retire at 70. Now, when I'm 70, I don't think I want to be working. Like, you know, you know, I probably still want to do like passive things, but I don't want to be getting up and saying, oh, my God, I have to go to work or I have to see clients and all those things every day. So Exactly. Yeah, it's always interesting to me. I always sort of think, you know, how much do you really need like to be, you know, and it's kind of hard to know because it's not necessarily something that we actually talk about. No, it's not. So in, um, in within your super, the government has brought in in Australia um, a new law where you can have $1.6 million each at the cap, um, which which you can then turn into pensions. Anything over that you will be taxed at, but up to the $1.6 million, when you retire at the correct age, which ours should be 65, um, you can draw that out tax-free. Now, if you've got 1.6 million in there, 
and you're earning, say, 10% on that, depends how you're, you know, that's $160,000 a year. You're not even using the capital. So even if you only got 5%, what is it, $80,000 a year, and you're not even drawing on the capital. So if you can get to the 1.6 and you're just using the, um, the returns on it at 5%, $80,000 a year each, I think it's pretty, you know. Okay. Yeah, I sort of really feel that super definitely has to be part of the bigger picture, doesn't it, for oh, retirement? Oh, it has to. Not just for retirement, for your whole wealth planning. It's a part. It's a piece of the puzzle for your wealth planning because, as I just said, like you want to get that $1.6 million somehow with towards assets or investments or money or whatever it is into your um, super fund because that $1.6 million, you can draw out whatever earnings on there tax Everything else can be in your own name or however you want, but you want to get that in because you want to maximise the tax effectiveness of, you know, you've worked for how many years, you know, 40, 50 years, whatever you've worked for, you've paid tax, you've you've done your hard yards. Now you've got a system, which hopefully will stay when we retire by the time we get there, that we can, um, you know, draw out tax effective, you know, income. We want to do it because we're not going to be on the age pension and we're not going to, like, and it will never be enough for us anyway, so we're never going to get it. And we're living longer. We're going, you know, we're going to stay younger longer. You know, 65, we're going to, that's like going to be the new 45, right? Totally, totally. And that's what I say to people also is that you want to retire at 60, right, so 60 or 65. Now you've got to live you've got to live longer for how many years you've worked, if that makes sense. So if the age expectancy is, say, 95, so now you've 65, so you've got 30 years, whatever you've built over here, 40 years has got to last you 30 years, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. And so my grandparents are incredible. They actually retired when they were about 42 or 43 from a farm and they wouldn't have retired so that I'm 41, so that it was around the same year I was born. And they wouldn't have had, you know, um, like tons and tons of money, but they've made their money work really well for them. They're now nearly 90. They've been retired longer, way longer than they ever worked. That's what I mean. And that's incredible, isn't it? Like, it's amazing. Amazing, yeah. And that's what we want to do. Like, we want to enjoy our life. We want to be healthy. We want to be happy and all those things. So in our retirement, we've worked so hard. That's your time to enjoy. I don't want to be working. I want to be traveling. I want to be seeing all the beautiful things and just, you know, if I just don't want to do anything, I just don't want to do anything for a week or two weeks or whatever it is at a time. Yeah. So it's about, um, yeah, and it's also about your health. You've got to look after your health as well so that you can reap all the rewards. Exactly, because if you're if you're not looking after your health and then we get to retirement, we've done all this, what's the purpose? Yep, and then a whole lot of money goes into medical expenses, which is not what you want to do either. Yeah. So, so, so being unstoppable isn't just about being unstoppable now, is it? It's about being unstoppable well into our you know, older years. Till the end, yeah, yeah. Till the end. Being unstoppable till the end. A hundred percent. So where can my listeners find you? Oh, well, your listeners can find me at, um, so I'm on Instagram at Farian Azim. So it's F-A-I-R-I-E-N-A-Z-E-E-M. Um, so that's on Instagram. You can follow me there or you can go to my website, which is uh, farianazim.com.au. So you can find me there as well. And how do you mostly love helping people in your programs? Do you just want to talk to us about that? Well, I love helping women overcome their money fears, slaying their money fears. You like that one? I love that one. (laughs) 
<laughs> slaying their money fears, overcoming all these doubts, building amazing businesses and lives that they love. And it's about having a holistic life. And that's what I really, really love to um, you know, help women create. That's fabulous. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and we'll thank chat again soon. Thank you, Carolee. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Being Unstoppable podcast brought to you by my personal brand, Freebies, which you can find at caroliefontanelli.com. If you got value from this week's episode, I would love it if you would hit subscribe and take a minute to leave me a review. You can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for Carolee Fontanelli. Until next time, remember, if you believe in yourself, you will be unstoppable.